During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. And you know, it all begins there. And actually, I still find it really amazing. I still really like to bask in the knowledge that God is concerned about me, about us. And of course, I'm a primary school teacher, so Lego has to feature somewhere uh, in the stories. Uh, here's some of the plagues that God sent because he was so concerned about um, the Israelites. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I like to put myself in a position as if I haven't read it before. Quite often when I come to the Bible, I know what's going to happen. But I like to read it as if I don't know what's going to happen. And when I, when you read the beginning of Exodus, um, you think, well, yeah, but there's no way that the Egyptians are going to release the Israelites. You know? And you can see that in the pattern, no matter how many plagues God sent, um, Pharaoh just would not let the people go. Um, you know, and that's because the Israelites were the slaves. They were the ones who made the bricks that built all the things that the Egyptians built. I thought, by the way, that it was the Israelite slaves who built the pyramids, but apparently not. They built the bricks, which is very important, but very menial and the sort of thing that slaves do. And there's no way that the Egyptians were going to let go of their slaves because if they didn't build, if the, Egypt, if the Israelites didn't build the rocks, the, the bricks, then who was going to? That would be a real problem for the Egyptians. So with my head that didn't know the power of God and was just reading it as if I'd never read it before, I thought there's no way that the Israelites are going to be freed. And then I read another bit in the Bible, Exodus 3, 21 to 22. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. And, you know, I thought, actually, this is crazy. Not only are the Egyptians not going to let the Israelites free, who are their free slaves doing all that menial labor, but it's absolutely laughable that also uh, they're going to give their jewelry and gold and silver to them as well. It's just ridiculous. And when I read this, it really spoke to me in a way that I hadn't noticed it before. And that's what's great about the Holy Spirit. He sits beside us as we read the Bible, as we worship, and he brings things fresh to us. And this really stayed with me for ages. Uh, and I think it's something that God wants me to share with you. When I read this, um, I had forgotten the bit towards uh, a few chapters later. And I thought to myself, well, that's a shame because this is the sort of thing that is in the Bible and, and God will do it. And yet I didn't remember it being done. And I thought, well, this is a bit of a shame. This is kind of been going to be a bit like a, a loose thread that's left that, that doesn't happen. You know, it seemed too small and too unimportant a detail and also a bit bizarre. If you think about the whole Israelites, this massive group of people leaving in a rush 
And the Bible says they were in a rush. They were in such a rush that when they took their dough, that they didn't have time to put yeast in it, leaven in it. Um, and if they haven't got time to, to have the detail about their food, they're certainly not going to have time to pick up trinkets along the way. However, I was wrong. Exodus 12, 31 to 36. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. Of course, this was you know, after their firstborn had died, so that was a very real possibility. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. And so this minor detail has stayed with me for weeks and no, it's not just because it's about acquiring jewelry. I think God wants me to encourage you with just these small verses. And I've been asking why, when it's, you know, it's such a tiny, minuscule detail. The first thing I think God wants us to know is that when God says yes, he has the power to fulfill what he said, he will do it. He can do it because he's omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. He created the universe. He divided the seas so the Israelites could escape. He can put a tiny bit of power inside a man called Samson so that he could rip a lion limb from limb. He can make whole armies so confused that they end up attacking each other rather than God's people. That's in 2 Chronicles 20, if you wanted to look at that one. He can make donkeys talk, which he did in Numbers 22. So he can go from the sublime of creating the universe to the ridiculous of making a donkey talk. He can create whole species and then he can bother himself with a donkey or a man. He can do whatever he wants. Psalm 29 is a great one of David's, where he talks about the mightiness of God. Psalm 29, again, you can read that at your own leisure. Verses 1 to 4 are really excellent. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the water, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Tim and I have just come back from a few days in Yorkshire, which was really lovely. <clears throat> and with all the rain, we managed to walk past lots of waterfalls and they can be really loud. Uh, especially, you know, as I say, with all that rain, but there's nothing like the strength and the power of God's voice. And verse nine, the voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare and all in his temple cry glory. David knew who God was. It's a challenge, you know, for us when times are tough, when we are filled with doubt and fear and everything seems to be pushing in on us. Do we believe that God is all powerful or not? Now, when times, times are hard, <clears throat> it's important that we know who is our God. 
Well, he is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. The banner in warfare was a symbol that God was acting. So he's mighty and powerful and he acts for us. Um, if I were in church now, I might say, can I hear an amen? So you'll have to say amen because no, I can't hear an amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> but it, oh, I Tim said amen, it's good. <laughs> but you know, it is so good to know that our God is powerful and he acts for us. The other thing we need to know deep, deep inside us is that God loves us. And obviously that's an important truth, but yes, it is a really important truth for us to know when things are tough. And there's so many verses to back that up. One of my favorites was sent uh, to us when Tim, Tim's mum died, when we were young, I think we were only about 28 and it was a really tough time. And it's Deuteronomy 33, 26. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. I'm going to read that one again because it's so good. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. This was a blessing that Moses gave to the tribe of Asher and it speaks of God rushing to res rescue us. Jeshurun means the upright one or the blessed one. It was like a term of endearment to the nation of Israel, like beloved one, and that's us. When we hold on to the truth that we're loved, that means that we're trusting in a God who does what is best for us and we are safe. And that's important because that truth cancels out fear. It's important for us and it's important for those we love. You know, right now we, Tim and I are moving house, we hope. And I have to admit that this week I have been um, worried. And um, I've been reading Jamie's book, God Doesn't Do Magic. And it's a short little book and you will read it quickly, but it's really encouraging. And in it, he talks about these kind of like little circles of worry where we go round and round. And I have been doing that. But then I come back to the point of God loves me and he's rushing to help me. And then I can sigh a sigh of relief because I think, no, it's not me in charge, it's God. And I can trust God because he loves me. So God is powerful, he loves me. And the thing is that he doesn't just, he rescues us, but he doesn't just rescue us, which is kind of the theme of, of what I'm saying this morning. Jesus is our ultimate rescuer. That is God's plan, his way of rescuing us. Jesus's blood, paid the price for our sin. So we could be rescued from the clutches of the devil. So we could be free and have our relationship restored and be welcomed back into the family of God. In this Exodus story though, God does rescue the Israelites and he does it in a really dramatic way, but he doesn't just rescue them. He goes beyond what he needed to do and he had to do to rescue them. And he allows them to leave with the spoils of war. The spoils of war traditionally are taken by the victors from the victims. Um, and the victors take the spoils of war without any permission. The losers can't do anything about it. They are powerless. And you know, God flips the position of the Israelites and the Egyptians. He makes the Israelites victors. And that's only because of what God does. And he makes the Israelites into the powerful ones. 
so that they could demand jewellery and clothes, and the Egyptians were favourably disposed towards them. <clears throat> well, of course they were, because look at the devastation, <clears throat> excuse me, that God had wrought. Likewise, our enemies are powerless. God has disarmed them just for us, and he makes us powerful. And also, you know, the gold and the silver, the spoils of war, it's a bit like a payment in recognition of the suffering that the Israelites had gone through, I think, a kind of justice. Now, God is not to be mocked, and he will act where there is injustice. Thinking about <clears throat> what's happening in Armenia at the moment, <clears throat> and you know about the riots and the in injustice and equality that there is in Nigeria, about the terrible things that are happening in France at the moment uh, with Christians there. And God will act. You know, some in our church as well are really suffering. And, you know, that's their story and they have great testimonies. Again, Rusie was sharing uh, in a chat group, actually, although things are really tough for her at the moment, she's hearing God's voice close to her. And I have examples in my family life which seem... Oh, so small in comparison to the things that, you know, some of you guys are suffering. But there were times that were tough for us. You know, I think of my childhood, which wasn't the best. Uh, times when, you know, I, I would have despaired of having the family life that I've got now. And times when I felt lonely, which many of you do. And, you know, and I look to what God has blessed me with now, not just with my family, but with, with all of you, with the family of God. And I think about the house that we have now, even though we'd like to move. But we have this house because God gave it to us. And before that, we had a little two up, two down with nearly three children in it. And God blessed us. And, you know, I think about the teenage years of our children, which again were such a challenging time for us as a family. And I think about where my children are now with God. Each of you have got your testimonies where you can look back and you can know that God has delivered you and given you spoils of war, given you extra beyond what you asked or imagined. And that can be our expectation today, no matter what our present situation is or the situations that concern us for our countries and for our families, that God will come through. So I think that we can take from these little verses I've been looking at some truths about our circumstances that we're like the Israelites, that we are the beloved ones. And we're like the Israelites because we feel powerless, but that's a lie. We are powerful. The death of Jesus has brought us into the family of God. And being part of the family of God gives us access to all the power and might and riches of the Trinity. I'm not promised an easy life. We will all go through hard times, but we should know God has his eyes on us like he had on the Israelites. He's concerned for us and he'll act on our behalf. And when God acts, nothing will stop it. And when he acts, we can expect blessings just like the Israelites. And a final verse with this picture of Lego spoils of war. Be encouraged and be strengthened church in the knowledge that, as it says in Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?